Look at this. I got headphones on. I got a mic going. Baby. If only people could see you now. Hey, no video. We've gone through this before. All right, no all video. right, all right. Welcome to This Commerce Life. This is a podcast aimed at small, medium entrepreneurs focused on commerce. I'm Phil, your host, and Kenny, your co-host, will join us as well. And we're going to talk to you about the world of retail and commerce and how things are changing in the world. All right, all right. <laughs> Seriously. I think, where the hell is everybody? I'm actually on time tonight. I'm ready to go. I didn't want to be late for our young man in Singapore. I was trying to be so conscientious. I mean, to be fair, you're probably on, you're probably on time because you got dinner ready, right? And you can't. No, can't I didn't make dinner tonight. I, I just texted her and told her, oh, fuck, the day went sideways. We're leftovers again tonight. I felt like shit. <laughs> I don't like when I don't cook, when I don't have dinner ready for her. It bugs me. Fair yeah. enough. Right? I'm, I'm home. Like I figured well, I, sh I should be able to cook. I'm home, right? Yeah. Well, you can same yeah. thing, Phil. I'm home, right? Yep. So I figure I should, should, be, should be able to have a nice dinner for her, ready to go. But I, yeah, 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 yeah. Richard, it's nice to meet you. Yeah, it's good to meet you as well. I've heard lots about... Uh, this this podcast that wasn't meant to be but turned into you know, something that keeps on rolling. So uh, yeah, yeah, just just doesn't stop. It's yeah, like that just keeps train going. That it just keeps going. We're we're this is episode 141. There you go. Um, so it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I see you've got the soundproofing up behind you. So I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is the. Uh, well, this is the music room, so there's um, actually I, I got the webcam. Oh, so it, it, it's it's up for more more than just the the podcasting. Yeah, so okay. uh, so there's piano there, uh, okay. speakers at the back. There's the the soundboard there. Um, right. There's nice. the violin that I can't play, um, <laughs> and then the guitars are the guitars and ukes are all over the place right now uh yeah so anyway but yeah so that's kind of and we've got i don't know i don't know if you can see it but there's there's probably there's more mics than we almost know what to do with <laughs> we're, we're a family of five space. We're, we're a family of five so when when all five of us decide to get into it it's uh it gets tight in here my son's a piano player i'm a piano player so uh we'll play piano and uh or i'll have the guitar going my wife and my one of my daughters is a guitar player. The other one's a, uh, the singer. The other one's a ukulele player. So you know, so we're kind of like jam nights are pretty fun here. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first time I've seen your space. Really? Yeah. I just look I've at the black screen. You? Okay. Yeah. 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 I got I got all the lights now, right? Because my daughter's recording stuff um, for for music and stuff. So. I brought in all the lights and everything. So anyway, we, we got we got all sorts of shit in the house. Then, <laughs> lots of accessories. What do you got oh, going, Richard? Yeah. What's that? What do you got going? You got a bureau behind you? A kitchen <laughs> table? I got, a, I got a bureau. I got some shoe boxes up there. <laughs> it's really exciting. Let me tell you. How big so space is? Is Singapore like Hong Kong? Is it tight, 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 tight? Or yeah, is it? I mean, like, do you have room? We've got time. I'll give you the quick tour. So we live in like what I guess in North America you'd call a, a, a studio. Studio. Right? So, okay. Um, like we're at the door now. So this is Francesca's like office. Okay. So she, 
she comes and works there and he, oh, I gotta show you this. This is like, I put these up on the weekend. I got them made in London. So there's this artist, I don't know if you can tell, but they, they, they do um, maps where the that's water, cool. the water is inlaid gold. Yeah, gold. that's awesome. Gold foil. Wow. But anyway, this is Singapore. That's London. And that one's really cool because it's just the Thames with its right. iconic shape that's gold. That. Yeah. And then right. we've got Vancouver up there. Oh, you nice. got Vancouver. Attaboy. So I got, I got nice. those done up this weekend, which is nice. Sorry. So our, we kinda, you come into the kitchen. I don't know what you can see. It's a nice space, though. So you've got the yeah. kitchen. We don't have a dinner table, but the bar has like yeah, yeah. Four, four stools. Um, and then uh, when you come in here, you've got like the living room. Yeah. And then actually our bed is like is a loft, like a pseudo loft. Oh, shit. That's okay. cool, too. Oh, that's so cool. what it does is... This is only like 595 square feet, but the way it's laid out, you know, and then you've got like, this is the living room and you've got like the bathroom and then a yeah. lot of storage in there. Yeah. So that's well laid out. Yeah, that's really cool. The way it's laid out, it's small, like it's 600 square feet, but it's, um, the fact they've used a lot of glass has yeah, made it, it feel harder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, for sure. And the fact that the bedroom's elevated kind of doubles up on that yeah. space. Right. It's nice. Yeah. Kind of breaks it up a little bit too, right? Yeah. So, and then yeah. we have a small, a small balcony as well. So actually, the the living space is probably less than six hundred. But anyway, it's good. It's, wow. it's it's like a lot of Asia. The 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 apartments are small, but uh, it works really well for us. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, more than awesome. That. So it's only two of you. Yeah, lots of mm. they have families and spaces that big in Asia. You can yeah, yeah. people, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's, yeah. it's only North America that runs in homes that uh, you know could, you know, sleep eighty and there's three. Yeah, of us. yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, the crazy thing is, I remember when I moved to London. One of the things that I never really considered was most of the world when they have to build, they have to build up. North right. America has got this luxury that when you want to build, you can build out. You know, that's out, up, sideways, whatever you want. There's nothing but room. Like yeah. thousand-person car parks that just stroll yeah. for days, right? Instead yeah, of yeah. stacked right. up parking, uh, parking yeah. and things like that. So yeah, yeah. it gave me a real different appreciation for space having yeah. left yeah. Vancouver because you just you don't realize how much space you have in Canada until you go somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's so. true. It's very true. Yeah. So, so you're originally from Vancouver? No, I was born in Dubai. My parents okay. were out there. I moved to Vancouver. Okay. And I lived in Vancouver for most of the rest of the time. I okay. moved to London about seven years ago. Did six years in London, and now I'm wow. almost a year in a year in Singapore. It, it's Crazy, weird. It doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel like that because wow. everything after January just kind of feels like nothing. Like I saw yeah. someone yesterday. It's I feel all gone. Like in 2020, I haven't really done anything. <laughs> yeah we, we got the virus the 20th of january and so our restrictions started to roll in from then and oh wow it's been groundhog day for eight months yeah but, yeah 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 um Crazy. yeah no, it'd be a year in october uh, which is cool yeah wow Shit, that's, i've been that long already eh? yeah wow. <laughs> i thought i had coffee with you just like last week yeah Man, I'm telling you, Phil, these like six weeks, they go by really quickly. Because <laughs> when I set up the recurring invite, I was like, going every four weeks or six. Let's put it six. And yeah, yeah. It, it just goes Bam, like that. Just like that. 
I feel bad. I think he just, you know, to keep the old man kind of happy, he talks like a young man. He talks to me once in a while, makes me feel important. You know, so you know, the elders of our society are important. So I I take it and run. I kind of like it. Nice young man. He talks to me periodically. You know. I love it. I'm getting ready it. for an 85. Nobody wants to talk to me. I'll be running around. Oh, my you know, God. Tony Richard. Richard, talk to me now, Richard. Okay, Maybe Kenny. old man sitting in your coffee shop just, like, yelling at the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Kenny sitting there yelling at people walking down yeah, exactly. commercial drive. Oh, yeah, I would do it. <laughs> hey, pick that up. Don't park there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd be all over it. I could definitely. That's why they don't want me in the bar. Uh, oh I'd God. be that. I'd be that guy. <laughs> I'd be that guy. All right, hey, Kenny. The world, the world Do you want to introduce guy. Richard? Yeah, I can introduce Richard. Yeah. So just so you know, I mean, the reason Richard's on the show is because I really like Richard. Amelia loves yeah. Richard. Everybody who meets Richard loves Richard. So Richard's just one of those guys. I just thought it'd be really cool to have on the show. Awesome. How I met Richard is we met through, um, in essence, through London Drugs. He was, uh, and this is why again, why I think it'll be a very interesting topic. So he was a young man, entrepreneurial, but um, running a, uh, I call it a foundation, I guess it was Five for Food. And he'll explain it better than I will anyway. But they were running across the country playing hockey in major cities, uh, raising money for uh, food banks. So an entrepreneur that had a very cool other side, because my generation, yeah. entrepreneurs, meant you just made shitloads of money. Everybody wanted money, yeah. money, money, money. And you never yeah, shared yeah. the money. His generation, which I find fascinating, is much more inclined to do a, a much nicer thing with the money they, they raise, et cetera. So that's how Richard and I got to know each other. I just really liked him. He's just a nice young man. I thought he was cool, like a shitload of energy, um, doing neat things. And we pretty much, uh, we did that for a couple of years with LD. And then we just sort of stayed in touch. We, I don't know, we just sort of stayed in touch over the years. Usually because he phones, you know, make sure I'm okay, I guess. You know, it's that old man checking up shit. I don't know, Phil. I don't know what it is. But that, that's that's really, that's been the story for Richard and I. So what I find, he's traveled, so I'm always interested in seeing what he's doing in a new country. Uh, like he's got the the Singapore thing going on. I thought that's such a, I don't know, it's just it's probably cool. things I wish I had done if I, when I was younger, if I could have, right? That yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. Anyway, you're going to explain your own world once you get going, but that's just, that's pretty <laughs> yeah, much why yeah, Richard's yeah, yeah. on the show. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Richard, welcome to the show. No, thanks uh, for having me on. <laughs> we, uh, so do you want to pick it up from there? Maybe tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing, what you're about. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, Kenny, Kenny talked about Five for Food and, and, it came at a time, you know, I was coming out of university and so I had time, right? I was it's like, like 2010, right? Yeah, it was, it was off the back of the Vancouver Olympics. So everyone was pretty high mm-hmm. on sport, particularly high on hockey. And the idea at the time, I mean, it, was a, it started as a summer project. It was like, oh, I've got time. My buddy wants me to drive them across the country and I got to bring their car back. Let's, you know, I was a hockey writer at the time for the Canucks. So I was like, I had all these hockey contacts and I said, Let's meet up, play some hockey. I want to put faces to names. Uh, yeah. I suppose as with all things in life, uh, it kind of took on a life of its own. The first year gained so much momentum and people said, this was cool. And I think there was something about it. It was just, it was really authentic at the time. Like it wasn't, you know, my buddy Vic and I, I think we both put in 1500 bucks and that was what it cost us to drive across the country, stay in, you know, hotels, eat food and like 
and, and have yeah. these hockey games. And so yeah. it was, uh, it kind of, I don't know, it just resonated with people. It was something to do that was different. It was it's happening into passion. You know, we go, there's all sorts of things. We say it was the summertime and, you know, it was the hockey's off season, but I think there's something genuine, genuinely about the fact that it was, it was hockey. It was, it was real people. It wasn't contrived. Mm-hmm. And um, we turned it into an annual tour. We raised uh, almost 2 million pounds of food uh, for food banks across, across Canada from St. Charles Newfoundland to Vancouver. And uh, it's, it's amazing. The, the kind of impact that had on me as much as it had on everyone else. I mean, obviously we're helping food banks and, and people got to, got to be part of this at like a local and a national level. But, uh, you know, I look at that and that really, I don't know, it set the scene for everything that that's kind of happened since. So, you know, I, I went over to UK was started to, to, to move around in this, this world, which was called sport for development. So I had no idea that around the world, people use sport to address social issues. So there'll be football programs, which are delivering health messaging. There'll be, you know, rugby programs, tackling gender inequality or netball programs that are um, supporting kind of the delivery of education, educational values. So it's, it's this whole world where, sport is actually the the tool to improve society uh, so I started rolling around in that world and then uh, about a year ago I had an opportunity to come out to singapore and now i'm i'm hunkered down on this very small island <laughs> as we wait out the pandemic <laughs> your timing wasn't the greatest but hey no I mean, you know <laughs> what do you do <laughs> so phil just to get a picture they, they played shinny across the country literally yeah yeah yeah, Major I got the picture. That's super street cool. Street hockey, man. That was it. Like, well, when it was, yeah, you know, it was like, awesome. In Toronto, it was great. You know, we shut down Young Dundas Square. Maple Leaf sent people out. Bob McKenzie's coming and like dropping the puck. Yeah. A and it's just this hockey festival. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think what was so interesting was, you know, it was at a time when the internet was a bit, it was still the wild, wild west. So, you know, 2010, I think Google must have just bought YouTube. I forget my timelines on that, but yeah, you know, pretty close. Yeah. But, but Twitter had just, tw- Twitter was just getting started. So like back in that day, I could, I could tweet the CEO of a company and the CEO would be tweeting me back, not his assistant or right. someone curating his feed. Yeah. And, you know, I think it got started because I remember, that, that was the time when you, you know, we used to have tweet ups, right? So the idea that you, all these people you talk with online, you get together in person, like how crazy yeah, is yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Now people will be like, whoa, stranger danger. Let's not do that. Which is yeah. ridiculous because yeah. it, it, there was this real bridge between online and offline, but there was, I have to say, there was a set of really unique circumstances that allowed that to happen when it happened. If you asked me to do that today, with the same kind of resource and like level of network that I had then wouldn't be possible. Yeah. Genuinely wouldn't yeah. be possible. Yeah, yeah. The, way, the way that communities evolve and move, um, it's changed online, you know, and, and with this cancel yeah. culture and, and this takedown culture, it just, it wouldn't fly. So it, yeah. it was really that it, it was, I, now that I look back on it, right place, right time for sure. It's yeah. amazing. Wow. That's really amazing. Um, you, the fact that, that you can go cross country and then play hockey, shut down main streets, 
Shut down uh, Gravel Street. Shut oh, down no, that's just, that's, that's all bonus, on. right? Like, like it's awesome. I can travel the country. I can play hockey with cool people. Yeah, it's already, fantastic. like, it's just fantastic, right? And then I can do shut it? down streets and, like. Four years? Five years? Yeah, we, we did well, it for 2010 to 2016. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that, okay. that's six years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Wow. And then, and then, so what, what took you from... What took you from there? Because you, you went to Singapore after that? No, so I, I went over to the UK. So it was, it was interesting. Oh, I'm right? sorry. That's right. Yeah, UK. We've we, we, we done this thing for five years in Canada. And I was getting to this point where... So I, our team was 40 volunteers. We, we brought in sponsorship, which covered the cost of this tour, which, which starts really increase when you're shutting down Young Dundas Square and Granville Street and you got to rent, you know, fencing and all this stuff. So none of us yeah. ever drew, drew anything from it. Um, everyone had full-time jobs. I was freelancing. <clears throat> and and I, I reached this point where I, I could see a shift, like sponsors were starting to get tired, right? Like many of our sponsors have been with us for five years. You come up with creative ways to improve like the partnership, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's still a ball hockey tour across the country. Yeah, like yeah. For, for, for anyone that knows Play On, the big CBC-sponsored tournament, I mean, they went 15 years because I think they had the backing of the CBC and they had a sure. much of reach, but even they shut it down because it's the same thing every year. It, it had a bit of a shelf life. Yeah. So um, I, I stepped back and said, look, I've got to do something. And rightly or wrongly at the time, I thought, I think it was wrongly, um, I thought, you know, the way to get this you know, to a point where it's more sustainable and, and take it long-term was to go international, right? I was like, we, if, if I can make this global, I could attract bigger brands or bigger budgets because mm -hmm. we were just operating in Canada. So I, I actually got some funding from the British government to create a sister organization. So we did the exact same thing, but through football, soccer. And we went over to the UK and we ran a tour, 10 cities, 10 days, I then did a pilot event in Spain, in, in Barcelona, one in Paris, and then I flew over to Brazil during the 2014 World Cup, and we did a couple events there. And I just thought if I could get exposure, build a bit of you know, global noise, we yeah. could attract some larger scale funding to take this to the next level. Because that was the issue, right? Like I couldn't fund one or two staff. or you know, I couldn't fund one or two staff at the level we needed to, which was right. full time. Right. And, uh, yeah. And so I, I took that leap. I, I went over to the UK. We ran a tour, and and again, like I, I would I would have I would have been in my early twenties at the time. And you know, looking back now, it's a bit of a I feel this, this feels very like very Todd Bertuzzi. You know, uh, it is what it is. But um, uh, you don't know what you don't know. And and I I didn't know to really dive into like the context of the UK. So for example, food banks were in an all out war with then prime minister, David Cameron, really right, like right. Yeah. The media. <laughs> on top of that food banks, their oldest food bank was 12 years old. The average food bank was less than two years old. Compare that to Canada. Food bank in Canada was 40 years old. Right? Yeah. 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 So the, the, the community didn't get food bank. That whole social welfare system is different in, in, in right. Europe. Yeah. So I didn't even consider, I just thought they love football. Like, like let's, just, let's just swap out for hockey yeah. for football and let's yeah. go nuts. And it had a decent reception, but man, no one tells you that like 
you know, a 75 million person country is different from a 35 million person country. And no one, you know, I, I didn't even consider the nuance between, you know, Wales, Scotland, England, and Northern Ireland, right? Like, right. It's just, like the complexity is so different. And, you know, I, I, I really value having gone over there with the like ignorance that I did, because I think if I knew everything I knew, I wouldn't have done it. It would have just been too large a mountain to climb. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. There's, there's, there's some like value in just being a bit, uh, uh, yeah, ignorant. Right. And, and I learned a lot, but we, we did that for a year. Uh, and that's when I was like, this isn't going to, this isn't going to work. Right. Uh, like we had awesome part, like London drugs every year kept stepping up. Nature's path stepped up. Like we had some great partners, but, um, we like our other partners started to say, you know what? We, we had two partners go through uh, internal restructures. They pulled funding, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to try and drag this for another couple of years. And <clears> I'd, <throat> yeah. I'd rather go out on, on on a high. And I also took. I also just said, look, you know, uh, I've got to go out and learn. You know, I can I can come back and you know build something new, something cool another time. But I got to go surround myself. I got to go be the dumbest person in the room and try yeah. and really yeah. soak up yeah. from, from other people. And at that point too, you know, I was really interested in, in how, uh, I, I've always been like a real student of people and culture. And, and when, you, when you come to, to London in particular, you know, there was weeks where I would, have, I would talk to people about working on a project in Qatar, South Africa, and Hong Kong, right? Like where else in the world are you at this global intersection of flows? Yeah. And yeah. so for me, what was really interesting is you're just, you know, it's like the, you're, London's like learning on steroids, you know, you're just absorbing cultures, yeah. people, yeah. geopolitics, like everything. And, and then you can start to really get a, a good worldview. So for, for me, that was really important. And, and then yeah. I, and that was when I decided, you know what, five hole for food, footy for food you know, this overarching brand sport for food. We, we were going to launch a basketball concept called hoops for food. And we were looking at Asia for that because there's some strong markets. But at the end of the day, it was like, look, the model itself, it, it's awesome. And, it, and, it, and like I said, it, it really worked at that point in time. But 2016, the internet were starting to change. What we'd used to build the movement wasn't at our disposal anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was yeah. a natural time to move on. And, and that's when I started to look at how I could move into this bigger world of sport for development. How do yeah. you invest in sport to create change? Right. So, yeah. It's one of those, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to scale um, unless you start getting some massive, massive sponsorship or some real big guns coming on. And then it might even lose the flavor of it too, though. I mean, I think the beauty of it at the beginning was it was fun. It was yeah. different and it was small and yet big people were kind of wanting to play with you. It was just, I don't know, it's just kind of cool. But you know, you know what's crazy about it is, again, I, I see a lot of stuff that I only see now that we're like 2020, we're, we're 10 years from when it started, right? right. So it started 10 years ago this, this June, really. And um, I look at it now and effectively we were delivering what people package up as experiential marketing but we were delivering it way before it had a name and it was a thing that everyone wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so it, it turns, <clears throat> but you're right. Like in terms of scaling, like I, I think one of the things that's really interesting when you found an organization is having the wherewithal to sometimes be able to step out of yourself and, and be your own critical 
advisor. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, like we did a cool thing, but we were a middle person between you and the food bank, right? And, and we reached a really interesting point where I said to the food banks, like, look, if you guys invest in this, why don't you guys all, like there's 13, 15 food banks. If you guys all chipped in like 10 grand, what is that? That's $150,000. You could sustain this for several, several like for years. Yeah. Right? And that, that yeah. costs you nothing, but what you're getting in return is huge. Like we had big media, we had, we had, we had everything going for us. And interestingly, the food bank said, no, like we're not interested in keeping this going, even though, you know, they were, they were happy to receive, you know, 10,000 pounds of food from London drugs and 10,000 pounds from nature's path, but they're not willing to like put in a bit of money. Like it made no sense. To it's weird. Me. <laughs> so weird. Their models wow. aren't set up for that though. They don't, they're not, they're not, they're not businesses that, um, they don't invest that way. It's different, right? It's, 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 it's delivered to me as opposed to work with me type of things. I think maybe with these people or these organizations, yeah, yeah I, I mean, don't know what it is. Yeah. You you definitely don't it's a skill set too, right? Like you you know, like food banks, I know the ones locally are all they're pretty operationally focused, right? Um that's what they're worried about. So um something like this is is definitely out of their wheelhouse. They gotta the scope gotta go it, back right? and rethink about like who who would do yeah. this, who would have the vision to kind of carry it forward, right? So I, I mean, you know what's really interesting is for me. I think the thing I've been most proud of is that even today, like I think three, four months ago, I got a message from someone who had clearly kind of forgotten about five hole for food, but then remembered it and said, Hey, what are your guys dates this summer? So someone that had clearly not really funny, eh? checked in to see, Oh, this is, this hasn't been going for five years, but, but, but that tells me something too, right? Like that, that's a really with people. Deep, deep connection with people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every now and again, someone says, hey, when are you coming? And then the other thing is, there was one food bank, the food bank in Victoria. They decided to take it on themselves. They Instead of Five Hole for Food, they just named it Hockey for Food. And they mm -hmm. still, to this day, have an annual ball hockey tournament, same place we used to have it, fundraiser for the food bank. That's cool. And this, this was always yeah. designed to be owned by the community. Like, we, yeah, right. we weren't necessary. We gave it, you know, a bit of glamour because... Yeah when someone drives across the country, CTV want to pick it up and talk about it, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This was always about the local community. And, and I think for me, my, my measure of success is that somebody kept this going, you know? And, you know, they send me a message once a year to tell me how it went. And I don't know, that to me, that is... I think that's, that's really cool. Value. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's, right? that's, cool. that's something to be proud about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so what's going on now? What are you, what are you doing in Singapore? <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> um, no, so I I, uh, I I moved out here. My my wife got a job, and so we, we okay. Figured, so let's go check out Asia. You know, I think London was awesome, but after the vote in 2016, the Brexit vote, there was a palpable change in the mood. And yeah, uh, yeah. In, in hindsight, it's a bit lucky to have made this decision. But we we kind of said, look, we need to make plans to get out. We don't like the direction this is heading. And, and if you look at it now, I, I definitely don't like where, where they sit. But um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, <clears throat> I've done a lot of work across uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, a lot of work in Europe, coming from North America as well. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. What she does can be done anywhere in the world. She's a, a gynecologist. So I feel really fortunate that I can say, let's go where I want to go uh, because 
she doesn't have a problem finding a job. And so mm-hmm. Asia, I think, was the next frontier in as much as mm-hmm. uh, I just hadn't, you know, had a lot of exposure to working in this part of the world. And, you know, funnily enough, Europe is a big hub for Africa. Uh, obviously, Canada and the States, a big hub for Latin America. But Asia isn't, you know, you, you deal with a bit of, uh, what would it be, West Asia, if you will, out of Europe. But generally, everything's hubbed out here. So I, I just felt like I wanted to be based here and to figure out how, how this part of the world works. I mean, it's, it's, in, it's, it's just so radically different from some of the cultural nuances to the way that the market forces operate. Yeah. I mean, you've got... You've, in, in Asia, you've got three of the four largest populations, India, China, Indonesia. Like that's profound, right? And the other thing that's fascinating for me about Singapore is you've got a country, it's only 5 million people. And yet uh, on top of sometimes being a Petri dish for Asia where a lot of products and you know, consumer products are tested, uh, it, it ends up being kind of the, the engine room for delivery across the, re- particularly across Southeast Asia. And so you've just got such a interesting dynamic here and yeah, an- another place to learn, you know, I think to, to really check it out. So um, that's, cool. that's what, that's what yeah. I'm doing. I'm, I'm uh, I recently, I recently joined this, this firm that uh, is investing, but what they do is they align investors across Asia. So anyone that wants to put money into change projects, whether it's, you know, sustainable seaweed farms or whether mm-hmm. it's tax, and gender issues, uh, they align something like $9 billion worth of capital every year. And they identified the strongest programs to invest that money. in. So okay. uh, I, I recently joined, joined them as their director of communications and marketing and really looking at how you storytell that work in order to just increase engagement, you know, from, from other investors, but also uh, educating the community about what's happening. And I think that's the other thing. There's some like fascinating stuff happening in this region. You know, I, I gave a lecture um, a couple days ago to this cohort of social change organizations. And you've got everything from, you know, sustainable fish farming to, uh, you know, people looking at seaweed as an alternative for uh, some basic everything. Stripping <laughs> art. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everything, yeah. You know, <laughs> Um, sustainable fashion lines. There's such uh, an energy in this part of the world. And it's it's really, yeah, I'm excited to kind of tap into that. Um, So we'll we'll see where it goes. You sound more juiced this uh, this time than the last time I talked to you, which is great. Yeah, well, you know, might be something. But, you know, you know I, I talk to you all the time. I'm getting bored of it, Kenny. You know, at least I've got Phil here. i got something, something to excite me. Wake me up in the morning. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, truthfully, it's um, my, my very junior geopolitical take is that, you know, we all know what's happening in North America and, and Europe is slowly on fire. Uh, yeah. But, and, and despite, you know, the tensions that fall over in Asia because of, you know, U.S. and China, there's, yeah. there's just so much growth out here. Like Vietnam is on the rise, you know, uh, Bangladesh commercially is on the rise. Uh, that whole area is on the rise. Yeah. Yeah, Malay, like, there's so much going on. Right. Like, I read today, I thought that this, this was crazy. Singapore is going to be home to the tallest prefabricated building in the world. It's going to be 56 stories tall. Just think about it. They're building a 56 story prefab. Like Lego building, basically. You know, like 
there's, there's just there's certain things happening here as innovative solutions to the right. local challenges that you don't see elsewhere and, and i think that's that's just honestly that keeps me interested you know it keeps me stimulated so it's cool it's, it's, not, a, you, it's not you phil just so you know it's <laughs> other things just so we're very clear on that i'm just going to correct everybody it's not not fuck all to do with phil it's all about riches finding did you say something you sound stoked again like yeah, you sound like you've yeah. got some life like you've got yeah. some spunk back in you which is good to yeah. hear no it's good I, I i i always loved about asia i i got to spend a couple of years when i was with j and j and i did the global i did a global franchise job for them so i got to kind of travel the world helping different j and j country business units um, spent some time with Singapore and Hong Kong and, uh, just like how quickly, because of the economies of scale, like how big the markets are, um, being able to test out, you know, the storytelling bits that you're going to be doing. It's so, um, it's so much more definitive than the North American market or even the European market because there's so many people that the results you get back, uh, you get them back, you know, fairly quickly. And that was, pre-digital right and and even then you would get results back very quickly and you'd know how good of a storyteller you were or how bad you were um and so so that kind of that actually really excites me right that you're in this market where you know the storytelling you want to do you can now test that digitally and then like turn that on turn that off and kind of go they hated that (laughs) i i know overnight put that one away because you know like it's kind of neat but what fascinates me too is 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 the the market just has such different interests and needs. You know, I think yeah. you can take a product from North America to Europe or from Europe to North America, yep. and and the the cultural forces or that that drive consumerism are pretty much the same. For me, I, I see it most personally in the snack category, right? Like in Asia, in yeah. in, in, in in Vancouver, if I go look at a shelf, I've got like two maybe three types of kit kats i got like the four four break kit kat yeah. i got the kit kat chunky yeah, yeah. and i maybe got like another kit kat chunky flavor or like the double kit kat chunky yeah over here you've got like 12 flavors of kit kats on the on the, yeah. on the show, yeah right yeah. and that's just kit kat right and and when yeah. you look at the the drinks as well um it's like even though you think the space is saturated there's there's so much room for that new quirky looking different drink that the market is still able to absorb like it's things like that that i find so interesting because what's different like between this group of you know two billion people and the two billion people you know between another region of the world and yet um culture is so different it's so different though so much to learn so different yeah especially now though like when you've got these diaspora right like you've got these these um these large groups of um, immigrant communities in countries outside of their region, right? And you're trying to figure out how do you market to these people? I think understanding, uh, you know, some of the markets they originate from hold some of the secrets to that, if, you, if that makes sense. So for me, it's fascinating. So much to, to try and unpick. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so cool. That's very cool. Uh, it's such a, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I, I love that market. Um, just so interesting. So it's different. Interesting. There's, there's really no place. Asia is just different, right? 
because we do, especially if you're in North America, you get so stuck on here or Europe, right? Because most, well, my, my generation, there was definitely more Europeans in the city than not. So your whole focus on life is there, where obviously the whole world is coming from the other side. It is all coming from, from Asia. You got so much cool shit happening. Young people have things. They want to try things. Like things just, it's just different over there. Well, like, I'm, I'm Much curious. different than here. I'm curious, like what's the most innovative thing you guys have seen in, in retail or commerce or, or restaurants in the last six months or last year? What's the most innovative change you've seen come into, come into force? Um, there's some, I, so if I break it up, I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is restaurants that have, you know, because of COVID they've taken their, their restaurants and really turned themselves into, um, I don't know if there's a category they're, they're almost like small markets, but customized markets. Right. So, um, you know, I, I've seen Italian restaurants that have taken, their pastas and, and their marinated meats and turn them into things that people can make at home uh, mm -hmm. where they were a full serve, full sit down service kind of restaurant. And they've turned that upside down, turned it into, you know, um, you know, buy a prep meal that you can cook at home so you can stay away from other people. And then um, we'll also act as your wholesale market right now. So you get to tap into our suppliers and, and pull groceries that way. Um, mm -hmm. So I think those are kind of um, neat changes that have, been different um they've definitely the been first... forced they've definitely yeah. been forced most of this has been forced by a situation that just wasn't uh, yeah. nobody was ready for so yeah, the traditional yeah, yeah. sit down eat in a restaurant thing obviously died pretty fast yeah. so if yeah. they didn't morph and try to do different things like we had lots of suppliers you could if you wanted to buy milk you could buy milk uh, you could go to earl's and buy milk why because cisco sold Earl's mm -hmm. milk. Earl's doesn't need Cisco to go down. Cisco still needs business. But it was kind of cool that people were saying, okay, what do we do? What do we do? Takeout. Yeah. Never yeah. seen so much takeout in our country um, <laughs> that we've seen in the last six months. Why again fueled by things? But in terms of true innovation, like anything. It's not a ton. I, I don't think, I don't, honestly, I, to me, I don't think anything comes from here anymore. If you want to see the cool shit, you got to get onto sort of all the Asian type of spots and see what they're doing. But the technology, how you use a phone over there. We're finally using the phone here. I think the way we purchase, et cetera, the way they were doing four or five years ago over there. Like you can buy yeah, I mean, a house on WeChat practically. I mean, you, know? you, you think about, you think about even, I think it was, well, when I was, when I was there, so like 10 years ago, the Koreans were already starting to do display shopping, right? So you could shopping in the subway, so when, when hitting buttons in the subway, home. you know, like, I mean, you could see, you could see this stuff and then it, it you'd pick it up at, at your subway stop, right? Like on your way home. Um, you know, that's like 10 to order, years ago. And we're, we're still yeah. not there yet, right? So, well, we're just, we're just getting um, into, you know, order yeah. at home, go pick up at a store. Yeah, yeah. Like, but did that's you do sort that? of what they did. No, I haven't done it yet. But I did oh, order from Costco okay. online. I ordered from Costco. Okay. All right, okay, okay. Delivered to the house. Cool. <laughs> Daniel and I were fascinated. I know it's pretty sad to say, but we were so stoked. <laughs> Didn't have to get, our, get off our asses. It was awesome. But, but no, it's, it's interesting, like out here, um, even before COVID, there are restaurants that have gone almost fully digital. So there's a, a local sushi place here we love, it's called Yankee Sushi. And they have, they have two, if you want to call them gimmicks, two, two things that make them right. different. One, there's staff in the kitchen and there's two people out front, one person to take you to your seat and one person to take the bill. Because everything after that is done by QR code. 
So you pull up a menu and your phone becomes the menu. So you scan this QR card, your phone's a menu, you punch everything in, go straight to the kitchen. Um, and then the delivery system is the second thing. So no one even brings you your food. They've set up these really kind of cute bullet trains. And so the seating is along this bullet train line. So we're used oh, to that's train awesome. The circle. That's awesome. But they've got a bullet train that just brings your thing, you take it off and the train goes back to the kitchen and they just keep putting stuff on, punching the table and it goes to, to the right table. So the whole dining experience is different because you never actually interact with a staff member other yeah, yeah, yeah. than going to your seat and to yeah. pay, pay the bill. Yeah. Right. And, and obviously in light of COVID, like over here, the big thing they've taken advantage of is QR codes. And that was, that was one of the eye openers for me coming to Asia. QR codes are way more prominent than they were in Europe and, and in North America. But here that seems to be how they communicate so much information. And they're coming back now. I'll say, you know what? You know, they're coming they... back. They're coming back. All the they, menus. They started now, like 10 years menus. ago and everyone's like. Do you remember? Right. I must have six QR code readers at one time on my phone. Yeah, and yeah. Because yeah, it, it was just so died. Like, Nobody yeah. was doing anything. All of a sudden, yeah. COVID especially. Yeah. If you go to White Spot, Rich, like in town, QR yeah. code for the menu. Like it's yeah. all, like that's how it's all going. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, what a blast from the past. Hottest thing in the world 10 years ago. Died yeah. over here. Yeah. Never died over there because I remember when I was going to Hong Kong and stuff. Like you could do everything on on your phone. Like, yeah, you yeah. just you yeah, just walk yeah. around scanning things. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're buying things. You don't know you're buying. There's a scan yeah. away. It just it was awesome. <laughs> and here, it, Take my money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but here is so different. Yeah. Like we are not. I mean, I know people think technologically that North America is the place. No. You want to see the cool shit, man? Go to Asia. They're just yeah. You gotta go. Just, yeah. It's just yeah. different. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's. It's still I mean, growing, still developing, still for lack of a development. You know, you know what it is like. I, I can speak for Singapore a little bit. You, you know, this. The, you know, the saying "necessity is the mother of all invention." Yeah. Um, Singapore, in some ways, really embodies that. Right. You have five million people on an island that's about seven hundred square kilometers. It's not. It's not large it's at small. all. Small. Um, yeah. But the interesting <laughs> thing is, from a planning perspective, um, they every decision they take is with a view to how will this still be around a hundred years from now? So um, we don't like, for example, Singapore has a water problem. So we actually import all of our water or most of our water from Malaysia. The hilarious mm -hmm. thing, we then treat it and send it back to Malaysia for them to use uh, cleaner than it came to us. But the interesting thing is despite all the rain and everything that's going on, Singapore, Singapore's source of water is technically a threat. It's a risk, right? And so, right. you know, they've been exploring water recapture systems and things like that. How do right. you secure your water supply? So yeah, desalinating water, all that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. um, things Canadians don't have to worry about. There's very, little, yeah, there's very little agricultural land. So they're right. starting to look at vertical farms. Again, right. how do you secure your own? Right. Um, you know, so it's things like this. It's, it's uh, you know, there's so much daylight and sunlight here. And so now they're looking at how solar can actually offset electrical needs. And, you know, they built, they built an island, a small reclaimed piece of land off the coast, which is helping them dispose of all the garbage, right? If you've only got this much land, where do you send your garbage? So there's videos that go around that show you this. And Essentially, they burn it. They, they burn incinerate, though, right? Ninety percent of the garbage, but there's some filters that 
right. uh, clean the air before it's released. So there's been some really creative solutions to problems we all have. Canada has a problem with garbage. UK has, everyone has a problem with garbage, but here they've had to come up with a, a solution. And yeah. in that sense, it's yeah. been, you know, really, I feel like that's yeah. what drives it in this part of the world. Uh, a little bit more than, than elsewhere. I think it's what drives it completely in that side of the world because everything is smaller and you got a lot of people in a small space. What do we care about garbage here? Really, Richard, put it down in normal terms. So you just build another landfill. It's not like we don't have the space. Yeah, do you worry true. about water? We got more water than we got most. We got the most fresh water on the planet yeah. in this country. Everything's at risk. I understand that. But really, truly, what when you live in the land of fat, yeah, you don't have to be lean. You just, just keep eating. It doesn't. There's, no there's a there's a sense of scale too though i think you know when wow. you've got when you've got 30 million people spread over the size of a country that we have we're a big place you know lots of, lots like getting space. i mean look look at air travel for example right? right like to get from from me for me to get to you kenny is easily 500 bucks 600 bucks right for richard for you to get from where you are to Hong Kong. name your exotic island here right um is is probably the same as the cost of a taxi ride to the airport. You know what I mean? Like you, you can get, you can get to a really nice Filipino, you know, beach for about $55 on an airline. Right. Uh, because yeah. you, you've also got economies of scale. There's so but many Europe, people. Europe benefits from that you know, too, right? We have a lot of space and we have a lot of resources and you don't worry. Yeah. But, but why think, innovate when you don't have to, that's what happens. But, but I think the, the technology, like whether it comes to, you know, flavors to technology and everything, there's scale there that you just don't have here, right? Like, For sure. like here, For sure. you know, 30 million people, you, you've got to get everybody sure. on board or you're still not going to make your pipeline number. You're not going to make growth, sure. right? There, if you're a really shitty retailer and you've got, you know, but you got, mm -hmm. you got the right location on a main street, you're, <laughs> you're getting right. business. Like there's just, yeah. you know, there's like, you got to be really shitty to go out of business there, right? Like, not that it's worse. I just think one, there's there's great ways to test ideas, and then two, to be able to push innovation forward. There's just so many more people that you can tap into for scale, right? So I think that on top of the necessity for invention, those two things are like it just makes it yeah. a great, great place for growth, right? Like it's it's so interesting, you know. I think all the I think I think we're we're starting to turn that scale too like i think i think um you're going to start to see the economy is already swinging back you know to asia and i think in the next you know kind of 20 years that's what we're looking at right is, is um you know we'll all be in north america <laughs> we'll all be working on home and probably working vampire hours because we'll be um working for for folks on on the asian side right so yeah, Asia will yeah. offshore to North America. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I that's what you so. say. Like, so when you look at it from our yeah. perspective, the States has got some scale. And yet, you still wouldn't say there's massive innovation that necessarily comes out of yep. America at any given time. Yep. California has got the same problems that, that Singapore has a lot more land, but it's got a shitload of people and they still can't figure stuff out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you look at innovation yeah. on our side, we are too fat. It doesn't matter. Like you've yeah. got space, you've got money, you've got resources. It doesn't matter that much. It doesn't, it's not as big yeah. a deal, right? Yeah. Where in these other places where it's different. Like, yeah. So honestly, Rich, I, I think if I, whenever I'm online, you want to see the cool stuff, I always, it's, you got to head toward, you head, you head, uh, head west for me. Yeah. Like you do. Um, you got to go to Asia to see the cool stuff. 
I, I, I want to pick your brain for a second. I'm thinking about some of the brands and retailers. Um, I, I know that I get these questions a lot. Uh, and, and this is not a comprehensive answer. I'm curious. So when people come overseas to start uh, sourcing for materials and things like that, right? Because almost every brand does it, right? They, they start maybe locally and then they start to go overseas. Do you have any... Um, do you have any tips for um, things that people should be doing to think about how you go about cracking culture, things like that? Um, I, I get a lot of horror stories. I, I give them a handful of tips, but I get a lot of horror stories about people that go, oh, you know, I went over there to um, get sunglasses made. And I got one really great pair. And then when they shipped me the box, they were all like full of crap and full of like, are there any things that um, you would recommend people kind of um, do to help decode some of the different cultures that you've run into? Yeah. Uh, the first thing I tell them to do is buy the book, The Culture Map. Um, I, I read it for, for interest sake, but uh, this, the, the author, Erin Meyer, uh, she, she, does, she, she researches this, but she's written a book that actually plots 20, 30, maybe 40 different cultures on 10 different spectrums from how they give feedback to how they communicate as teams to how they listen, etc. And um, I just found it a fascinating way to understand how different we actually are. Um, and I think it'd be really helpful for anybody that wants a crash course in doing any sort of business in a different culture. Um, it, it's, it's well worth the read. It's, it's quick, it's light, and it's very easy to, to digest. The other thing, I think the, the biggest mistake I see people making um, is, uh, let, me, let me figure out how to, how to describe this. Um, I, I have an American friend who has a team of three or four Singaporeans, and she, she was talking to me about how when she came, when she, when it comes to accomplishing tasks, you know, the American, like both, both sides of the equation are very um, task driven, but you know, the Americans have no problem with, or let's, let's just generalize Westerners have no problem kind of saying you did this wrong, go fix it. Right. And that directness in Asian culture can be quite insulting. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a way to deliver feedback or to communicate negative information or unhappiness or displeasure or whatever. And, and I think if, if you can crack that, that will be one of the biggest uh, keys to your success in Asia. It's, it's understanding how the person wants to be spoken to and, and what are the nuances to relationships in this part of the world. You know, what are the little things you do? Like when you give, if you're working in Japan and you're handing, you know, business cards are huge in Japan. So make sure you have them like it's, it's almost an affront not to give someone your business card right but then it's little things like knowing how to do it right, right. you know two hands pass it forward like the little details that make right. a really big difference or you know out here what's really interesting is um as a sign of respect you often give stuff with the left hand you know and it, it's you know like that and and i just think uh these little details go a long way to creating a sense of trust between you and, and your foreign counterpart. So I'd, I'd really stress people to understand some of that and culture map delivers a lot of that really well. That's cool. I'll take a read at that. That's a good tip. Usually yeah, what I tell people is to, is to is get to know people there that can help you. 
Because if mm -hmm. you don't understand the way they do business, wherever you are, it's really tough to do. Yeah. Right? And it's very yeah. difficult to do in Asia yeah. if you don't, because um, language is not Latin based. So it's a whole different world of language. Nuances are huge. How you say things, what you say, when you say, why you say. And you're always best to have someone there who knows a lot of the tricks. And honestly, most people are pretty forgiving. If they know you're trying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? People will, people will go with you. Yeah. You know what, you know the, the best way to sum it up? It's knowing when to take a 30-minute working lunch and when to take a two-hour, two you know, shoot-the-breeze lunch. Right. Right? Because different cultures will value that time different. Exactly. Yeah. And you yeah. just got to learn to play within this, the sandbox you're in. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Very interesting. That's a great tip. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I get that a lot. So I, I, uh, always try and ask, uh, whenever I, I get someone who's, who's crossed that barrier, uh, either come from Asia or, or has landed in Asia. Cause I think it's an important, I actually can't even tell you how many brands I've run into where I've asked that question. They all have like really terrible stories cause they just didn't understand where they were going. They kind right. of thought, you know, it's like New like York. I'll home. just land and, you know, like, it'll be fine. And like, exactly. no, it, it won't or be I'll fine. Just, I'll just not... talk the way I normally do and I'll yeah. just do what I normally it do. It won't be fine. Right, you won't <laughs> well, have any well, friends, but sure, light it up. The, the other thing that's crazy, I think sometimes we come into the, those conversations thinking we're a big fish, right? But, you know, your order of 10 million might pale in comparison to that Indonesian order of 100 million, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly on the scale of priority, like we might come in there on a Western brand, we're, you know, we're a big yeah. deal, but yeah. actually they've got local Asian brands doing way more business. Exactly. They want your business, but they don't need your business. Yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes go in with that entitlement, like you need me yeah. more than yeah. I need you. And exactly. that's what breaks down completely. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's a great tip. Um, Richard, thank you for this. This is amazing. Uh, if people, I don't know if people want to find you. Is that okay if they find you? Yeah, Where do they find you? Uh, Richard okay. Lowe on on LinkedIn or or Twitter. Uh, there okay. should only be one of me, so it's easy easy to find. L O A T. Okay. Okay. I'll put uh, if you're listening to this, I'll I'll put uh, I'll put the link to the book as well as um, yeah. uh, your LinkedIn profile and and uh, your Twitter profile in the in the show notes as well. Definitely. Um, and thank, thanks for having me on. This was actually good yeah. fun. Thank you. That was very fun. Thanks for coming yeah. on. And you're yeah, welcome. Thank for you very much. Just talk to me through. Yeah. I let you have Phil for a little bit. <laughs> no problem. Listen, if you mistakenly dial my number instead of Kenny's in six weeks, it's, it's okay. okay. Yeah, it's all good. Easy. Maybe we'll do another catch up in a little while. Make sure he's okay. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I'm going to have to share all the friends. <laughs> That's awesome, oh, Richard. Thank you very much. Okay, good. Thanks. Nice big smile. It looks a lot, but it looks good. It looks like you've, uh, I think you just needed something to do. <laughs> you know what it is, man. You, um, some... our, it, you know, you know what's, what's really interesting is, um, so, so Francesca goes to the clinic. She comes home, right? Like I wake up, I don't leave the flat. I've got, I've got nowhere to go, no one to see because no one really wants to meet up. And right. so she comes home from work and I'm like a, bloody puppy dog you know like give me attention give me attention give me attention she's been dealing with people all day the last thing she yeah, wants to do yeah. is deal with me um and and recently just i like i went out for drinks with a couple friends the other day super casual went sat on the rooftop and i came back and she, she's like what's happened to you like you're like you're in such a good mood and i was like 
I, 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 I draw so much energy from people yeah. and like, this is fun. And like, you know, doing this is giving me some energy, but like yeah. Zoom, yeah. Zoom just doesn't do it for me. Right. But like when you just, I, I need to be with people. And I think I last it. week I, I was able to go out three or four times just with people or on Sunday it was Singapore day. And uh, we had a couple yeah. of friends come over and we sat on the balcony and had, had yep. beers and we watched the fireworks, nothing special. But man, like that, that, yeah, that interaction, interaction right? humans, yeah. like exactly. I've been really, really, you crave it, man. You crave it. I don't have it. Right. Yeah. And she's the opposite. She, she finds that people drain her. So yeah. her way of recharge is come home and, you know, read a book or like yeah. do whatever. Yeah. Whereas I'm the, I'm the total opposite. And so this lack of like, I will go full days, not leave. I, I didn't leave the apartment yesterday. Yeah. Like I just didn't leave the apartment. You know, uh, I should probably go for a run or something, but like, you know, eventually just, it, it kind of builds and you're just like, oh, like yeah. I just, I'm kind of done. But um, yeah, it's being able to kind of see people and, and stuff is starting to build me up, but it's the lack of human interaction. We're social creatures, man. We know what it's like. Some are introverts, some are extroverts. Amelia's a very much extrovert, Jessica. Amelia could sit at home and recharge. Clouds, you know? That's fine. That's how I recharge. <laughs> anyway, before it gets uh, too uh, on me, Thank you very much. <laughs> well, Thanks, Richard. I'm going to make some kind of dinner right now. I don't know what <laughs> the it's going to be, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. Richard, thanks very much for doing that. I appreciate hey, thank it. You. Okay, take care. Okay, boys. All right. Ciao, man. Bye, guys. Ciao. Okay, young man. I've got a burn. Yeah, yeah go, go dinner. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, sounds good. Give, yeah, give me a buzz. Okay. No, no, we're, we're going to be on the same call tomorrow. You, me, oh, and... Oh, it's uh, morning. Shit. I got a morning meeting. <laughs> oh, my God. Come on, okay, young man. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk Early to you tomorrow. Early, too. Yeah. Ciao. Sounds good. Ciao, buddy. All right. That's the end of this Commerce Life. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, give us feedback. Tell us what you think. Subscribe. Like us, join us, share us, tell your friends about us. And uh, we hope to see you next time with, uh, with more commerce news.